You are listening to the podcast of Grace Bible Church Ann Arbor. We are the rescued people of God joining His Great Restoration Project. More information, including sermons in this series, can be found at graceA2.org. Thanks so much for tuning in. Hey there, it's so good to be with you today. A group of about 40 of us are here in Israel studying and touring the land. And we've been reminded time and time again that water is life. We are here in Qumran National Forest. There's flies buzzing around. It is blindingly bright and hot, which if you are in Michigan in January, you're not feeling too bad for me right now. There might be some groups walking through, but hopefully we can stay focused and talk about how water in many ways is life. In Michigan, we don't sense that very much because it rains and it snows and there's rivers and there's lakes. Water's everywhere and it's cheap and easy to get to. But recently I've been reading a book, it's an old science fiction book, about a place where there is no water whatsoever to the point that people try to capture their own body's evaporation and even their tears because they fear that they might lose a little bit of water. In some ways, this place reminded me of that book. I mentioned that we are in Qumran at this national forest, this national park, but we're also very, very close to the Dead Sea. Israel's a fascinating place because as a nation, it's not very large. It's about the size of New Jersey or about 10% of the size of Michigan. And yet there's all these microclimates that make this such a unique place to have places like this absolutely dry and absolutely, well, in some ways dead. Now the Dead Sea sits at the lowest point on earth. And what happens is that all the rain and all the springs, all the water that might flow here, picks up minerals, goes into the Dead Sea, which the Jewish folks call the Salt Sea, and it just stays there or it evaporates. And when it leaves, it leaves behind all of the minerals and the salt that had been there before. Everywhere we've looked and we've talked about water and whether there are streams or whether there's rain or flash floods, because it is just so important here. Welcome to our Habits of Grace sermon series, where each week we've been talking about, well, grace, mostly the grace of Jesus, but also these little habits that can make such a huge difference in our lives, if we'll actually do them. And today we're going to talk about one habit of grace, and we're going to do it here in this area of the Dead Sea. Now, The Dead Sea, from a biblical perspective, it does appear occasionally, but usually it appears as a border to some other place, as opposed to the center point of some significant biblical story. But today, we're going to dive into the biblical story here. It's in Ezekiel. There's this amazing vision that Ezekiel has that I want us to talk about today. And so we're going to talk about the story of Ezekiel, a sight to behold, the source of living water, and then the habit of spilling. A four-pointer, that's a bonus point, I guess, because here we are in Israel today. So first, let's talk about the story of Ezekiel. Now, I'm not sure how familiar with the story of Ezekiel you might be because, well, I've only preached two sermons on that book, and this is actually my second one. And so you might not know the background information about who Ezekiel was and how that story came to be. Well, Israel is at this crossroads of 
three continents. It's, it's in this place where often the big empires traveled because they wanted to control this land or because they were heading to a different land. But either way, there was always some big bad guy who was coming in and was trying to take things over. In the case of the book of Ezekiel, the big bad guy was Babylon. And Babylon had come and taken over Jerusalem. But it didn't initially destroy Jerusalem. It didn't like kill everybody or do anything like that. It actually kidnapped a whole bunch of people and sent them back to Babylon, including this man named Ezekiel. Now, Ezekiel was a priest in training, and he was in this refugee camp. And in this refugee camp, he was sitting sort of next to a dry river or creek area, maybe a sewage ditch or something. And God appeared to him miraculously in that place. And when God appeared, he told Ezekiel to preach a message of repentance. Tell the people, tell my people, God said, to, to turn from their sin and turn once again to me in faith and obedience. And he said, Ezekiel, what I want you to do as you do that is to also do some sort of strange street theater to kind of help people understand this message. And so I want you to do weird things like uh, cook some food over a fire made of dung, you know, and you think my sermon illustrations are strange. He said, I want you to do this so that the people can begin to understand the story that you're trying to speak. But as often happens with the prophetic books, the prophet would speak and the people wouldn't listen. And so Ezekiel spoke time and time again to the people and no one listened to him. In fact, they ignored him to the point where the something worse actually happened. The something worse was Babylon came and utterly destroyed the city of Jerusalem, took out the temple of God and killed many, many people. And so Ezekiel was there in that refugee camp and he was just awaiting some word. And as he was awaiting word, this exile, this person who had fled Jerusalem came to him and told him that Babylon had come. And this time they had actually destroyed the entire temple and killed many, many people. And so Ezekiel was absolutely devastated to realize that the worst thing had happened. The people didn't obey God and Babylon had wiped them out. And that is when God gave him a tremendous vision of the future, a vision of hope, which brings us to part two, a sight to behold. So God gave Ezekiel this vision where God appeared to him in the new Jerusalem and the new temple. So the city that had been destroyed by the Babylons, God put it back together. And as he put it back together, he showed him this picture of what someday was going to happen. That from the temple, a, a river was going to flow. Now, if you've never been to Jerusalem, you might think, well, wait a second, don't all major cities have rivers and springs? Well, generally speaking, that's true. But in the case of Jerusalem, that wasn't true. It's one of the few ancient cities that doesn't have a good fresh water source. And yet in this vision, what happened is that God brought his spirit on the new temple and from the temple gushed out water. It wasn't gushing out of the school or the bank or the stadium or some place where we might think life comes from. It was gushing from the temple. And as it rolled down the hill, it began to roll down through this area here, this fresh water in the vision, and go right into the Dead Sea. And as he's watching, this is what he sees of that water, because normally you would think, well, this water is probably going to get tainted by all 
the minerals and the salt and the things like that because isn't the Dead Sea dead because that's what happens? Water goes in it and gets tainted? And the answer to that is yes, that's what normally happens. And yet when, when he had this vision, here's what Ezekiel saw. And this is Ezekiel 47 verse 6. Then he led me back to the bank of the river. As I went back, I saw on the bank of the river very many trees on the one side and on the other. And he said to me, the water flows toward the eastern region and goes down into the Arabah and enters the sea, which is the Dead Sea. When the water flows into the sea, the water will become fresh and wherever the river goes, every living creature that swarms will live and there will be very many fish. For this water goes there that the waters of the sea may become fresh. So everything will live where the river goes. Fishermen will be standing beside the sea from Engedi to Englaim. It will be a place of the spreading of nets. Its fish will be of very many kinds, like the fish of the great sea, which is the Mediterranean. But its swamps and marshes will not become of the river. They will grow all kinds of trees for food. Oh, I'm sorry. And on the banks on the other side of the river, they will grow all kinds of trees for food. Their leaves will not wither, nor their fruit fail but they will bear fresh fruit every month because the water for them flows from the sanctuary. Their fruit will be for food and their leaves for healing. Now, when Ezekiel stood on the shore and, and saw this vision, because God sort of took him into the water and then brought him on shore to see it, what he saw was this water flowing down the hills from this high spot, the temple in Jerusalem, and bringing with it life every single place that it went including apparently bug life. Can you see the, the flies flying around? But it brought more than just bugs, it brought trees. It brought fish to the nets of the fishermen. It basically turned everything into a lush area where there was absolutely life springing from these dead places. The first time our tour guide talked to us about that vision, I remember him tearing up because of just how beautiful it is to think about God bringing life to a dead place. And someday I believe that God literally is going to build a new Jerusalem with a new temple and this is going to happen. We are going to see this dry dead place come to life. But I also believe that there's another way of seeing this text that points us very, very strongly to part three. Part three is the source of living water. The vision showed that when God creates a new temple, living water is going to bring life. Well, if you were to fast forward about 500 years, Jesus is in the temple courts. Now, I know we don't think about this because most of our church services happen within a building, but a lot of what went on for worship with the temple happened in the yard. So imagine a smaller building in the middle of a whole bunch of football fields. On those football fields, if the weather is good enough, well, you could have a lot of celebrations out there, and that's what happened at a lot of these festivals. And so Jesus was standing there in the yard, if you will, and he was at the Feast of Tabernacles, which is where Jewish folks will sometimes build these kind of the, these little huts, and they'll live outside in, in connection to the Exodus, and they'll celebrate the harvest. And he was at that particular festival, and he was worshiping with them, and there's a ceremony that takes place during that, that festival, which is called the water ceremony. Now, apparently this water ceremony was such a party that ancient rabbis said that you have not seen this, if you've not seen rejoicing in your whole lifetime if you haven't seen this water ceremony. I mean, that was the bar that they set for the rejoicing of this whole thing. And so what they would do is they'd take a pitcher of water up to the temple courtyard 
and they would get everybody together and they say, this is about God's provision of water for us when we were in a desert place. And they would pour it out and everybody would rejoice and they would say, give thanks to the Lord, give thanks to the Lord, give thanks to the Lord three times. Well, Jesus was at that festival in the yard and this is what he said in John chapter seven. On the last day of the feast, the great day, Jesus stood up and cried out, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Now this he said about the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were to receive, for as yet the Spirit had not been given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. So Jesus stood on the temple courts and said, in essence, do you remember that vision from Ezekiel? Well, I am here. You might be searching for living water in, in a spring. You might be searching for building like a, a well or a cistern to hold water. You might even try drinking salt water if you're thirsty enough. But I am here to offer you something better than anyone else. I am here to offer you true living water. And did you notice the condition for who gets to come to Jesus? He says, if anyone is thirsty. He doesn't say, if any Jewish person person who's devout is thirsty, or if any rich person is thirsty. He said, anyone who recognizes their thirst, their need for life from me, their need for forgiveness and repentance, if anyone comes to me, then I will quench that thirst. I will be that living water for them. And from Jesus, like a river through his death and resurrection, the Holy Spirit came and we see throughout the book of Acts, the spirit flow starting in Jerusalem and then Judea and Samaria and then washing down to the ends of the earth and bringing life everywhere the spirit goes. Now, for some of us, this is where this sermon needs to end. We just simply need to go, thank you, Jesus, that you are living water for me. That while God might someday bring an actual flow of like liquid water, your spirit has flowed through our lives and given us life. So for some of us, we've been drinking the salt water, we've been living in dry places, and we simply need to go, thank you, Jesus, for that. But for others of us, I wanna push this a little bit farther towards our habits and talk about point four, point four, the habit of spilling. For those of us who've tasted and seen how good Jesus can be, we need to get in the habit of spilling. Now, often we think about spilling and we think, oh, that sounds like a bad thing. But I want you to picture in your mind a little excited kid with a cup full of water that as he runs, he just can't help it, it splashes everywhere. Because that's the habit that we're supposed to get in, that we are so filled that we, we kind of overflow onto others. There's this old, awful John Mayer song called, where he says he's waiting on the world to change. Well, right here in Qumran, there was a group of people called the Essenes. And they were just doing that. They were waiting for the world to change. They were waiting for the Messiah to come. They were waiting for this water to flow. And instead of going out and engaging the world, and they had been given so much, they just sat back and they waited. Now, we owe the Essenes a great debt because of the Dead Sea Scrolls that were found in some of these caves here. They do, they, they've done something wonderful. But also, in some ways, their sect became sort of stale, sort of sterile, if you will. Because although they had received a lot, it didn't keep flowing through them to everybody else. And when Jesus came, he said, listen, you're not to be like the Dead Sea. You are also supposed to experience this flow of my spirit 
And then, well, who's the source of living water? Well, as you read this text, clearly the source of living water is Jesus. But as you read that verse again, you will notice that we also are supposed to be a source of living water to others. Notice what it says again in verse 38. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. This somewhat unusual phrasing means that if we get filled with the Spirit of God through our faith in Christ, then we too become a, a spring of living water to all that are around us. We are, we're like a conduit for, for his goodness and his grace to this bigger world. We are not called to be like the Essenes and pull back from everybody and try to keep that life to ourselves. We are called to be servants, to be conduits, to be like, well, like springs that are set in these desert areas. You see, water's life, unless it's dead. Water is life, especially when it's a spring of fresh water in a desert area. And frankly, Michigan is also kind of a desert area. There are many of thirsty people that are living right around us. And God has planted us like springs there to, to spill forth the Holy Spirit's goodness in this message of Christ to all who are around us. So, so how can we do that? What is the habit for us today to consider? Well, there's many things that we could say about what it looks like to, to bring the life of Jesus to all that are around us. But today, the one that I want to just prompt us to think about is that we might be, well, servants like our like our Savior Jesus who washes our feet, that we would then go and do likewise and serve other people. And so I want to ask us to get into the habit of saying this simple phrase. And it's a phrase that, frankly, I, I don't love. It's just a simple phrase of, how can I help? How can I help? Now, I know why we don't like this phrase. Because we think we might get taken advantage of. Or somebody might ask us to do something that's not super great. But when we get into this mode of asking how we can help, we actually, in a way, spill over the grace and the service and the life that Jesus offers us to all that are around us, and it sort of brings life, in a way, to them. One of the beautiful things about being a pastor is that I get to see a lot of things that are behind the scenes. Now, you might think, oh, if you see behind the scenes, you see the bad stuff. Well, maybe sometimes, but more often than not, what I see with our church are people who just have this spirit of, how can I help? I want to bring life with me everywhere I go. And so I want to give you a sneak peek behind the curtain here just for a second, that every once in a while, somebody will come to me and say, I've been given so much. I don't want to be like the Dead Sea. I don't want to try to keep it all to myself. I want to use this for life for others. And so they say something like, I'm getting this big old promotion or this bonus or something like that. And they say, I, I don't want to just spend it on the same old stuff. How can I help the church with these funds? Or maybe there's somebody who says something like, hey, I might run this business and I might be really busy, but I'm willing to do anything. And we say, hey, would you like be on the, the safety team or like change diapers? And they're like, sure, yeah, no problem. How, I just want to help. And we think, wow, that's amazing. Or it's somebody who has incredible stage gifts. And we know that they're so good in front of everybody and people tell them how great they are. And yet they say, hey, is there anything you need like during the week? And we say, oh, you can put orange cards in the pews or something. And they say, sure, I would love to. And then they do it every single week. And they thank us 
for the opportunity to serve in that way. And then when they can't make it for some reason, they're all they're so apologetic that, oh, I'm sorry. I mean, that's that kind of spirit of, I just want to bring life and help everywhere I go. Or it's the person who sees the just had a baby or congratulations sign in their neighbor's yard and they say, they go over and say, hey, look, can we make a meal for you? And they just want to bring that life everywhere that they go. Or maybe they're in a profession where they could make all kinds of money and yet they have purposely decided to use the opportunity in that profession to, to really serve other people. And when they're given lots of money, they, they're thankful for it, but they try to make it an act of service. What they're doing is receiving what God has done for them through Jesus and then just overflowing that life and spilling it everywhere that they can go. Behind the curtain, there are many people who are taking Jesus seriously, serving him joyfully in all different walks of life. And so I'm going to ask us to try to be an excited kid with a full glass of water from Jesus that everywhere we run, it would spill out and life would come up around it. And when we do that, what happens is we think, well, my cup will be empty. But every time we look down, we see that this living water of Jesus just keeps filling us more and more and more. Water is life. And Jesus is the living water who's calling us to be springs, even in desert places. Let's pray. Father, I thank you so much for an opportunity to be here with the team and to, at the same time, be with our people. God, I would ask that despite whatever distractions of trying to watch this on video, that we would be captured by this vision you gave Ezekiel and the recognition that Jesus is the one who quenches our deepest thirsts and gives us life. May we give that kind of life away to everybody we encounter. We pray this in his name. Amen.